Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Hope Matumbu. Women on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you are hearing us from. Over the 2019 summer, music festivals, particularly those in New South Wales, have been put in the spotlight with a number of young people overdosing on substances. This prompted health and other professionals to renew their calls for pill testing. These calls were rejected by the New South Wales government, who instead decided to crack down by introducing a raft of proposed changes to festival licensing in the music festival industry. In this show, I speak with Steph Zanetis, the coordinator of Harm Reduction Victoria's DanceWise program, a nightlife and music festival harm reduction service offering peer education and support. I also speak with Fiona Misham, Professor of Criminology at Durham University since 2012, with over two decades of research and work across a broad range of areas, including criminology and social policy. First up, let's hear from Steph. Uh, hi, my name's Steph. Um, I work at Harm Reduction Victoria in their management team. Uh, my main role over the last uh, nearly six years with the organization has been um, coordinating the Dance Life program, which is a drug and alcohol outreach program that goes on site at music events and festivals. We provide non-discriminatory harm reduction education about alcohol and other drug use, as well as a range of other topics, including mental health and sexual health. And we provide a chill space, what we call a chill space, for people who need any kind of support, um, whether they're intoxicated or otherwise distressed on site at events. So um, the DanceWise program model is um, the property of Harm Reduction Victoria, which is the peak uh, body for Victoria, uh, working in this kind of uh, space. And there are equivalent organizations in each state and territory. In New South Wales, the organization, and all of these organizations come under a peak national body called AVIL, which is the Australian Intervenors uh, League, um, and uh, NUA is the equivalent organization of harm reduction in Victoria based in New South Wales. Uh, NUA is New South Wales Users and AIDS Association. And, uh, yeah, in 2017, they, uh, yeah, developed, like they uh, adopted harm reduction in Victoria's downsized program model and have been delivering services for about a year and a half now. Um, and there's uh, plans to expand to other states and territories as well. 
this program model has been going for 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 years and years, mm-hmm. and recently we've seen in New South Wales really a a, a crackdown on on festivals and festival organisers because mm-hmm. of the unfortunate deaths um, that, that have happened um, over the summer. But from your experience working with festivals and festival organisers, it seems like they obviously have been working very hard and using the best available evidence to to stop these kinds of unnecessary deaths. See, the response of officials and government, uh, particularly in New South Wales, but in general this is a trend that you could observe in a range of different contexts. Uh, what I observe is that uh, the media, and I use the term very broadly, but the, the media who are, I would argue have a responsibility to um, inform the public of matters of public interest often do like to promote sensationalist arguments that are just interesting to the public. And I think that uh, festivals are often unfairly um, portrayed uh, just in a defamatory way. When you think about what a music event is, especially one that's of uh, a scale where there's thousands of attendees, because uh, the, the reforms that are happening in New South Wales at the moment, they apply to any event that's 2,000 people or more. So to put on an event of that scale, and once you're getting to tens of thousands of people, it requires um, an incredible amount of collaboration between a range of different agencies, including law enforcement, health, um safety, fire, depending on the specific requirements of the the venue or the site uh, and the nature of the event. Uh, But all of these stakeholders are involved with the local government agencies and goes through permitting processes. So uh, it's really unfair when you see media portrayals saying uh, festivals, uh, um, you know, promoting drug-riddled events, or as though they're just people looking to make a quick buck, because only can you not very quickly just put on a festival. It requires a lot of planning and uh, professional experience. Um, you, you actually, it's not that lucrative. A lot of people do think that our event organizers make a lot of money and they're just exploitative. They have to meet permit requirements, and sometimes those requirements can be prohibitively expensive, which we've seen in some uh, examples, most notably in New South Wales, where... Um, user-based policing bills have meant that a festival could not go on. Now, in Victoria, my understanding is that user-based policing, um, it's standardised and you can uh, get a fee waiver of up to about 95%, if I've um, understood the, the process correctly. And uh, one of the factors that Victoria Police are willing to consider for event organisers is whether or not their user-paid policing fees will um, be prohibitively expensive and mean that the, the event can't run. Uh, so that's something, that's how it works in Victoria. And But I am aware that in New South Wales, events have actually stopped or gone bankrupt because of these fees. Uh, so, yeah, the, it, it there's a there's a lot of factors to take into account. So there's a disconnect between what we read in our papers and the reality of the festival industry. And uh, I was really um, 
I, like I'm watching um, and impressed to see that there is now an, um, a peak body for the festival industry, the Australian Festival Association, uh, because that means that it's a, a point where all the expertise of the festival industry um, <clears throat> can be consolidated and then communicated, advocated to government officials. Women on the line. And look, anyone, anyone would just have to watch the Fire Festival documentary to know that, you know, organizing a festival is no joke. I mean, I absolutely I agree with you. I, to, to be honest, I'm so impressed by the things that people get done in the festival industry. It's uh, the logistics are amazing. And organizations and expertise uh, such as those that uh, DanceWise uh, provides um, are, are some of those things that, that need to be taken into account from, from an organizing perspective. So over the mm-hmm. years, um, over, you know, since 1995, um, you've had a very close relationship you know, um, with those organizers. And what has that been like? What kind of changes have you seen um, um, in terms of the work that you've been able to do um, at festivals to help people? What I've observed in the past six years, I've, I've observed our program grow and a general appetite in the public, um, among the public, for a health-focused approach to, to drug policy, to drug education, to drug support services. So there's a shift from... Um, punitive drug policy to health policy. Um, and so our capacity as a program has grown. And what I've observed from festivals is that they welcome that, but it's not been a case of us leading the charge in terms of how festivals um, organize themselves and how they uh, do their... We, we have an influence on, say, their alcohol and other drug policy, but we're just like a cog in this much larger machine, and what we appreciate is being able to fit in to, well, a well-oiled machine or a fully functional organization that does, uh, yes. Yeah, that runs a highly professional um, and intricate operation, such as um, event organizations. Uh, we fit into that, and uh, they are really responsive when we are observing like emerging trends or see opportunities for growth. Like I, I like our relationship with event organizers has meant that certain policies could be nurtured. Uh, to give you an example, I've uh, since about 2015, I've seen um, a lot of uh, support uh, from festival organisers to um, innovate in terms of welfare that supports people who might be at risk of or experience gender-based violence of any kind on site at festivals. That's something that I've um, observed get, receiving more resources and attention and um, just conscious awareness being raised about that topic. So that's one matter. And then in the past couple of years, um, in regards to things like pill testing, you do see people, uh, you know, questioning, is this uh, evidence-based? If it is, why don't we just do it? Because um, that, that's the kind of mentality. If this works, um, then let's implement it. It's not, uh, it doesn't have to be a kind of a, a moral debate. Uh, we don't have to like, be punishing festivals if people who attend festivals use drugs because we just 
recognise that it is actually something that happens in the broader community as well, but people do pragmatically respond by saying, what do we need to do to implement it? So if people are using drugs, if people are um, vulnerable to experiencing gender-based violence, what can we do to reduce the risk um, and reduce the likelihood of harm? It's You know what I mean? It just is really, it's responsive and reflexive as an industry. Um, yeah, it's, it's when you're like part of an event, it's incredible how many different um, stakeholders there are, and, and that includes every single patron that attends and their intention on site at an event. Uh, and that is the overall, like all of those factors combined is the output of what a festival is. Um, it's not just festivals. They, they also are unfairly targeted, but also, you know, um, you find similar sorts of risks at, you know, at, at, at nightclubs or other events as well. And that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and that it's a bit unfair to just focus on festivals when there's other, um, you know, parts of society where people can, uh, where, where people are using drugs, where people are, 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 are doing all sorts of things as well. Yeah, and that's an important point, I think, to remind people of um, that the majority of people who drive, uh, die from alcohol and other drug-related um, incidents, they're dying alone and often in, in houses at home, you know. Um, but someone who dies in their home, unless there's some kind of, some other factor that might make it newsworthy, it's just not that that information just isn't circulated in the same way that um, something traumatic happening at a festival um, could be you know spun as something of interest in the news uh, so the, it's just not popular the the reality of alcohol and other drug related um, issues in the community the much wider community is just not uh, reflected in the media and people don't have uh, the average person doesn't have a realistic idea about um, yeah the, the nature of drug and alcohol related incidents uh, that people are experiencing on a daily basis in all kinds of settings so pill testing would be a great initiative at festivals in the sense that the young people who are attending festivals are often people that um, haven't experienced any um, drug-related harm at that point and most likely haven't experienced any kind of drug-related harm. They're at risk of acute harm, like something terrible happening uh, the one time or the two times a year that they have drugs. They are at acute risk, but they don't have um, like the prevailing kind of um, com- complicated situation that requires them to engage or be forced to engage with uh, like a health provider um, so people who attend festivals, that's a cohort of people who use drugs that wouldn't usually connect with a health service, um, wouldn't need to connect with a health service. But pill testing at festivals, one site to gather such data and uh, to have a, a pill testing system um, or an early warning system in regards to drug trends, you'd want to collect data from on-site at festivals, but also from fixed sites like clinics. Uh, you'd want to be collecting from any sites that is collecting data. So that would include also seized substances by law enforcement. And it could be a range of other things, like if 
by uh, implementing pill testing services and um, triangulating all the data collected from all kinds of drug um, testing, um, then you can come up with an early warning system because you're getting a better idea of how... um, how the illicit market looks, how adulterated it is. If you can, just for our listeners, uh, just uh, letting them know where they can go for more information on the wonderful work that you do. Downsize is a program of Harm Reduction Victoria. The website is hrvic.org.au. We have a Facebook page and a Twitter account as well. Um, And... From the HRVIC website, you can download our educational resources. Uh, on each of those resources, we have a list of websites that can provide helpful information. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us on Women on the Line, Steph. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Hope. Bye. Thanks. Bye. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. You were just listening to Steph Zanetis, the coordinator of Harm Reduction Victoria's DanceWise program, a nightlife and music festival harm reduction service offering peer education and support. We were discussing the crackdown on the music festival industry in New South Wales, as well as health professionals' proposal for pill testing. Our next guest is Fiona Misham. Let's hear from Fiona. My name's Fiona Misham. I'm Professor of Criminology at Durham University in the UK. Uh, I'm also a government drugs advisor. I was on the advisory council on the misuse of drugs for 10 years. uh, And I'm also the co-founder and co-director of The Loop in the UK and the co-founder and co-director of The Loop in Australia. And The Loop is an organisation that provides harm reduction advice and information for people at festivals, at nightclubs, out and about, uh, to inform them about drugs, alcohol, sexual health, Uh, and generally staying safe and having a good time and getting home safely. Probably the thing that The Loop's best known for in the UK is that we introduced public pill testing services in 2016. So this is my third trip to Australia, and uh, partly it's for research because I'm an academic, but predominantly it's been to help and support the Australians who wanted to set up The Loop in Australia. Uh, We've got fantastic teams in three states in Victoria, in New South Wales and in Queensland and we've been uh, attending meetings with stakeholders, with community groups and they've, we've done training for uh, 50 volunteers in each state and the idea is that we'll have professional volunteers who are trained and experienced and ready to get going as soon as we get the green light in each state. Um, And so recently we've seen uh, in New South Wales, I guess, a rejection uh, from the government um, for uh, pill testing and also, I guess, a a crackdown on the on the music festival industry. How has this affected some of the work that you've been trying to uh, get on the ground here in the country? What we can see in Australia is what happened in the UK just before we introduced pill testing uh, four years ago is that there's greater and greater focus on festival drug-related deaths, the fact that they're a needless tragedy and that um, although this in some ways has propelled greater regulation, in some ways also it's raised the issue amongst the public and in the press and we found that in the UK as well. So it's been a catalyst for change in the UK and I can see some elements of that here as well that I think there comes a tipping point when people say, 
why do we have to put up with this and why should we accept that young people might be risking their lives at festivals if we can do something differently so that's definitely the debate that we had in the uk and i can see that happening here as well i think some of there seem to be mixed messages around the regulations uh, obviously some people are opposed to any form of greater regulation of festivals but i've also talked to festival promoters who've said to me that they run their festivals uh, as well as they can and that the regulations don't necessarily infringe on them because they're already doing the things that are being asked of them and that it's only some of the, the smaller um, and less professional festivals that might be hit by these greater regulations. So it seems to be a little bit mixed amongst festival goers. I think one of the in interesting things that's come out of the, the changes, uh, the festival-related changes, is that they're now steering people towards a fine rather than uh, a criminal justice response, rather than arrest and going through the criminal justice system if people are caught with drugs at festivals. So in some ways you could say that that's a, a decriminalisation or at least a reduced criminalisation moving to fixed penalty fees, uh, a civil or financial response rather than a criminal justice response. So I guess it's a mixed bag, really. There's some things which I would say are positive and obviously some things that some festival goers would say are negative. Can you please tell us a little bit about pill testing and how well it works in terms of, uh, in terms of saving lives, essentially? So in the UK, uh, our model has been that we focused on trying to get the, the best quality uh, chemistry analysis on site. So we bring a big lab on site with about 20 or 25 chemists. Uh, and we also bring on site about 20, 25 healthcare professionals. So doctors, nurses, pharmacists, such like. Uh, and the chemist will try and identify the substance to the best of their capabilities. And the healthcare professional will give out the advice as part of a 15 minute healthcare consultation. And in that, they will talk about things like their medications, uh, medical history, drugs history. So by the time they come to give the results of the pill testing analyses, they already have an idea about the person's medical context and they will tailor their advice, their harm reduction advice and information to that specific individual. And that's very important because we think that that really helps in terms of engagement and getting a productive outcome. Uh, and in terms of the success for the pill testing in the UK, we've had a number of measures. So for people who did get what they thought they bought, and in the UK about four in five people who bought drugs did get what they thought they bought, they then will talk to us about um, dosage and we'll have conversations about moderation which are really important in relation to overdosing and particularly now in New South Wales where some of those suspected uh, festival deaths uh, have been linked to suspected MDMA overdose so this question of high purity drugs and um, overdosing and messages of moderation are really important for that group but then for the one in five who didn't get what they thought they bought um, that could be all sorts of contaminants or dangerous substances. Uh, there we offer them a disposal service and we find that pretty much the majority of people who didn't get what they thought they bought will hand over that substance and we take it out of circulation. We'll give it to the police for safe destruction off-site. So we're taking dangerous substances out of circulation so we, we can we know that we know that pill testing can reduce drug related harm on site. Uh, we look at the medical incidents on site and we can see that there's a reduction, sometimes um, by a quarter in the drug related medical incidents on site. 
But we also can see that there's a reduction in hospital admissions off-site from that festival if our pill testing service is there. So one of the great benefits of pill testing is not just that it reduces harm amongst drug users, but it also reduces the burden on health services. And so that will benefit the non-drug using taxpayer as well. Women on the line. When we started pill testing in the UK in 2016, we weren't really sure who would come forward and uh, whether it would be particular groups of drug users at festivals. And one of the things that's been really interesting for me to see as a a feminist and a gender researcher is that actually we're seeing disproportionately more women are coming forward and using pill testing services. And we think that might be something to do with the fact that women can be more proactive in terms of their own health um, and finding out about their own health. Uh, So we're very pleased about that, that pill testing is absolutely a service for women at festivals. Women are stepping up and they are coming forward. At the moment in the UK, it's probably about 60% female and about 40% male. Um, And, you know, I guess it's not just music festivals um again where where you know they here in australia i guess there seems to be a bit of a beat up in terms of music festivals but um you know drugs are everywhere people are are, are taking them in in all sorts of environments really a lot of the focus has been on pill testing in festivals but in the uk last year we introduced pill testing in city center venues so we introduced them in a drug service in a youth and community centre and also in a church, a city centre church. And the idea of this is that drug testing is something that should be available to all drug using communities and groups. It should be far more inclusive because festivals are just one very specific demographic and a fairly privileged demographic because these are people who can afford the transport, the tents and the entrance fee to Mm. a festival. So I'm really keen on the community-based fixed site testing, which has been happening in the Netherlands for 25 years. Um, and how do these community-based settings work? It really depends on uh, where, the, where the community fixed site testing happens. In the church, it worked really well because the church had a very good relationship with local communities, including a local rough-sleeping heroin-using community. Mm. So they were able to bring their heroin for testing. Uh, So I think it's the opportunity for more outreach and engagement directly with different drug using groups. But the idea really is the same, that people bring a sample for testing. They come back an hour later. uh, It's free. It's confidential. It's non-judgmental. We'll talk to them about general health concerns, talk to them about the sample that they brought. And also we can signpost them to drug services or to any other uh, health or welfare services that might be appropriate. Just quickly, I guess, for our listeners, where can they go if they want to find out more about this issue in the Australian context? People can find out about The Loop via the website wearetheloop.org in relation to the UK and also via unharm.org in Australia. Wonderful. Thank you so much for speaking with us uh, on Women on the Line, Fiona. We really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. We've come to the end of my conversation with Fiona Misham, Professor of Criminology at Durham University since 2012, with over two decades of research and work across a broad range of areas, including criminology and social policy. We were discussing pill testing. Before that, I also spoke with Steph Zanetis, the coordinator of Harm Reduction Victoria's DanceWise program, a nightlife and music festival harm reduction service offering peer education and support. And that's all for Women on the Line today. 
Women on the Line is a community radio national women's current affairs program. It is produced and presented by a range of women and non-binary broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 8377. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website www.3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. I'm Hope Matumbu and I hope you can tune in again next time. <laughs>